0: Hello, welcome to Warwick Podcasts. I'm Sean Owen and I'm here today with Matthew Watson from the Department of Politics and International Studies at Warwick. Matthew's research interests are concentrated in the broad area of political economy, in particular how the market economy becomes embedded in everyday life. This is particularly poignant due to the ongoing credit crunch and the subprime mortgage crisis. There's no doubt that we're all feeling the pinch as energy and food costs increase while the property values drop, Here, Matthew talks about his most recent research which analyses how the global credit crunch is driving down house prices from the 2007 peak, and how this will inevitably affect the Labour government's strategy for reforming the welfare system. Matthew, um, New Labour used private home ownership as a means of moving towards an asset-based system of welfare. Can you tell us what this actually means?
1: Yeah, the housing market has been a real boon to the government in terms of its electoral appeal. It's persistently presented itself to the electorate, uh, having presided over a period of unbroken uh, increases in house prices, quite staggering increases in house prices. But it's also tried to use this as a means of readjusting the fundamental basis of welfare provision in this country. It's about sensitising people to the possibility that public pension provision will not be sufficient in the future to enable them to fund all of the welfare-enhancing services that they will need in old age. Traditionally, old age is the time where welfare demands are the highest, but they're also the time when income is the lowest. So the structure of private home ownership has been used as a means of trying to plug this gap. The assumption will be that house prices go up, uh, the wealth that individual families have in the houses goes up. That wealth can then be saved, it can be invested sensibly in long-term products with an eye to the future and with an eye also on being able to cash in gains that people make on the housing market against future welfare needs. So everything has fitted into a nice comfortable circle for the government uh, for as long as the housing market has maintained its, its really rather amazing upward trajectory. But there were fractures uh, appearing in the housing market, in particular the increasing difficulty of incorporating first-time buyers onto the housing market and allowing them to also engage in the process of building up assets. All this made the housing market look very fragile before the credit crunch struck last summer and then with the banks getting increasingly scared as to their overexposure to failing mortgage-backed securities and that they've made mortgage borrowing for everyday people much more expensive over the last 12 months. The confidence has dipped within the housing market. Prices have gone down And what was at one stage a virtuous circle for the government threatens, I think, to become a vicious circle. I'm sure it's no coincidence that the government's popularity has plummeted uh, in direct proportion to the falling house prices. And maybe they only have themselves to blame in this respect. If they're willing to take the credit, where credit was probably not due to them for the increases in the house prices, then maybe it's understandable that the electorate will fight back by withholding support for the government in periods where house, house prices fall.
0: It does appear quite disastrous, not only for the government in terms of their popularity, but for the people who are going to be caught up in this downward spiral. So, How should the government really react to this and try and deal with this situation?
1: Well, the process as house prices went up was one, I think, of uh, inadequate expectation management from the government. It was happy to feed news reports into the media, which gave the impression that house prices could go up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Uh, But that cycle historically always gets broken at some point. This was an asset price bubble. Bubbles historically always burst at some stage. Uh, They need a trigger event. And I think the government has been slightly unlucky that it wasn't the proximate cause of the trigger event. Mm. Uh, The trigger events were a, a new sensitivity to exposure to risk amongst the banks, at which point the banks stopped lending to each other, which made it much more difficult for each of them to continue to fund their own mortgage businesses. And those costs to the banks have been passed on to everyday homeowners in terms of increased mortgage costs there. So could the government have done anything different? Well, I think hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But I think with hindsight, um, it was fairly reckless in the way that it courted uh, political popularity as the house price bubble inflated. And I think that's something that it's, it's going to live to regret.
0: Yeah, I mean, and also just to bring in um, the subprime mortgage crisis, um, where does that all fit in? It fits in
1: for this country a little bit tangentially, because the the degree of exposure of the banks to what's euphemistically called the subprime sector in the United States was by nowhere as advanced in this country. Mm-hmm. The Use of mortgage securitization, fancy uh, financing techniques that allowed them to extend, uh, allowed the banks to extend the coverage of mortgage lending within society. Well, that process was nowhere near as advanced in this country as mm-hmm. it was in the United States either. But what's happened is that the whole image of the subprime crisis. And of banks in distress has fed a fairly systematic confidence crisis within the banking sector and as banks have looked to retrench their business after years of making massive profits with outwardly little effort, um, then those costs have been passed on to the consumer, in this case the the consumer of mortgages so there 's a number of intermediate steps between the origins of the subprime crisis and what we see happening uh, to house prices uh, in this country today. Uh, Of course, the context is very important. The context was one of a bubble in house prices, an unsustainable bubble in house prices. It didn't have to take anything that was specific to this country to dent confidence in the pricing structure of the house market. And that's what's happened. Uh, The difficulties that the banks got themselves into, the difficulties that the banks Uh, are still in, has had knock-on effects, not direct effects, but knock-on effects that have then undermined the structure of house prices.
0: How do you think that the government should try and deal with this, with particular reference to the housing market? Because, as you mentioned, first-time buyers are excluded from the market. The, The prices are coming down, but it's harder to get a mortgage. And we've also got the cost of energy is increasing, cost of food is increasing. So we're really feeling the pinch
1: well, the shockwaves that have gone through the housing market have certainly come at exactly the wrong time for most households, spiralling energy costs, spiralling food costs, spiralling mortgage costs, um, all put together in a context in which the house price bubble, I think, lured lots of people into a sense of false security, that they thought they could borrow money for consumption pers- purposes Uh, against the expectation that the price of their house would just go up and up, and if it kept going up, then it would effectively nullify all of these debts. So a debt-ridden society that suddenly finds that uh, it's being pressured by increased costs uh, in three distinct areas, energy costs, uh, food costs and mortgage costs, is a society that's going to start feeling the pinch And uh, perhaps quite dramatically so. So, I'm sure that what will happen is that people will have to uh, retrench on their own spending. Lots of that spending is already taken care of on a monthly basis. It's money that they have to find. So, consumption, I think, will go down in the short term. This might not be a bad thing if it helps to rectify the debt situation, but that's putting uh, a long term economic perspective on it. From the government's perspective, people feeling less well off, uh, people feeling less sure about the future, uh, people worrying whether this will lead to an economic recession that will then put jobs at risk. Even if none of this is the government's fault, Mm. and a lot of it isn't, then the government is still likely to uh, feel the effects of this uh, in terms of falling popularity. What can the government do about it? Well, the government seems to be More interested in the first instance in stabilising the banks, the outcome of the Crosby report uh, published this week, which as yet we don't know exactly whether the government is going to act on all the recommendations, but the the headline issues there are support for the banks, uh, finding public money that will be generated by and used by the Bank of England uh, to engage in uh, a significant cleansing of banks' balance sheets, Uh, to try to remove uh, some of the most seriously damaged mortgage-backed assets from the banks. They now have no chance whatsoever of selling those on on private markets. None of the other banks will touch them. Everyone knows that they're contaminated assets. But these, it looks as though, will happen. These will be swapped directly uh, for pristine government bonds. This is swapping a pretty much worthless asset for one with uh, a high saleable value uh, and swapped like for like. Um, one of the interesting things about this proposal, well two of the interesting things about this proposal one, it's already been used in rather large sums in the United States, so if Britain follows suit there, it will not be alone. but the second interesting thing is that it's likely to take up uh, a fairly hefty proportion of the money that was used uh, over Uh, the nationalisation of the Northern Rock Bank, it will have the same sorts of effects in terms of using public money to stabilise a bank this is nationalisation of a sort. The only thing that won't happen is that authority to regulate the bank's activities will not be passed into public hands. So there's something very interesting politically within the plans. It looks as though it's a purely technical response to the difficulties associated with banks' current balance sheet positions. But there's a big political story waiting to be told now. It's not really been picked up in the press as yet, but with a bit of luck, it will be. Uh, Because this is public bailouts. I don't think that's too strong a word. This is public bailouts of banks which have been uh, used to providing themselves with uh, a very secure self-regulating position over the last 20 or 30 years. Now they've got themselves in trouble because of their activities. uh, But public money is being made available hand over fist to help them out. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of distressed households faced with the triple whammy of increased food costs, increased mortgage costs and increased energy costs, uh, who think that they would also very much like to share in that sort of bailout. But of course we know that's not going to happen. And here are lots of the electoral problems for the government just coming to a head. This sense of of disparity in the treatment of the banks compared with households. That households will find that there's no public insurance uh, of their Uh, savings of their wealth uh, at the same time as they see banks who have got themselves into trouble being the beneficiaries of really massive public handouts. Mm.
0: And and finally, a lot of these issues are going to be discussed at the Warwick Subprime Workshop, which takes place in September. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about this event?
1: Uh, Yes, we have a two-day event on Thursday (laughs) the 18th and Friday the 19th of September. We've invited uh, lots of the leading political economists working in this country along with a number of notable practitioners, to engage in a broad discussion of the subprime crisis. We've asked them to think of the subprime crisis in as wide a context as possible, so not just treating it as a technical event that's affecting the balance sheet of banks, but to look at the politics of the response, to look at the ethics of the response, and to look at the sort of social structure that will emerge from the response and what implications this has electorally for the government, what implications this has for the way that people live their everyday lives. The event will be headlined on Thursday afternoon, an opening roundtable session, where we've got two very notable practitioner speakers coming to talk to the workshop. One is Will Hutton from the Work Foundation. The other is Andrew Sentence, who sits on the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England. So we will get the practitioner's view first there will then be a number of academic papers over two days and this will be all ended with a closing roundtable session where hopefully the main issues will be discussed
0: yeah and um, maybe some interesting and productive results from that as well well we hope so okay well thank you very much
1: my pleasure thank you